like any other product, it starts with understanding the customer. For a design system, product makers are the first line customer. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to Notes of Design. To help support our mission spread knowledge, we have a very special guest on today's episode. Let's welcome Jason Blackheart, who is a design leader, culture builder and a storyteller with over two decades of experience currently building the design system at Microsoft, setting the vision, defining strategy and delivering impact. Jason also holds two patents on his name. On this episode, Jason shared his experience in building and maintaining the fluent design system at Microsoft with his team, also shared with us the process and the strategy on how to build design systems at scale and keep it evolving as per the needs. We also discussed on how to define the systems so that they are made for the people across various teams following the common usability factor and also building the culture of design system as a product rather than a service. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and on every Friday we release a new episode with a new creative leader around the world to help you understand different topics related to design. So don't forget to tune in into Notes of Design on every Friday. With that said, happy designing everyone. Hi, Jason. Welcome to Node Job Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here chatting with you today. So, Jason, how is your day going? My day is just getting started. <laughs> uh, fortunately, though, uh, you know, it's a Friday here. Fridays are no meeting days at work. And so, you know, it's really a time for the team and I to spend some time reflecting and preparing for the next week. It's it's a lot about it's about housekeeping and kind of making sure that kind of taking stock of our accomplishments throughout the week. That's wonderful, Jason. So if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Jason Blackheart. I currently lead a design system team at Microsoft. And so Microsoft has a design system called Fluent. I am in uh, an organization called CSEO, which stands for Core Services Engineering and Operations. We are the organization of Microsoft that builds and maintains the products and services that the company runs on. I have a key partnership with the Fluent Design System team. Really, we're, our job, our, the charter of my team, is to bring that design system to this org and also identify where the gaps are between what that design system provides and what our teams need. Uh, and then my team builds the controls and guidance and fills in those gaps. I've been with Microsoft for about six years. I've been in industry for about 20. That's wonderful, Jason. Thank you so much. So what was your journey into design and how did you start? What are your tips to the beginners on how to start? Yeah, um, I had a pretty untraditional route to, uh, to my career. I didn't study design. Uh, I actually studied filmmaking. I uh, thought I would end up being a screenwriter and visual artist. Although it's a very different discipline from design, the storytelling and problem-solving skills I, I learned through that experience have benefited me throughout my career. And you'll probably hear me talk about uh, storytelling a few times. Uh, I think it's critical to the success of design as we mature our industry. After college, I ended up in San Francisco. Right at the moment that the, uh, the internet was changing into a, a viable experiences and commerce platform, um, I was able to get an entry-level design job at a startup. And uh, that's really where my education 
my design education really began. Uh, since then, my career has been, I would say, a, a nonstop journey of growth and learning and really a search for meaning above all else. When I started, design was not a very mature discipline. And what we know today is UX was only starting to come into being as a craft for designers. So, you know, I've, I've been sort of lucky to have a front row seat to the development of UX as a discipline, uh, which has been, I feel very fortunate for that. You know, I want to say too, like first and foremost, I simply got lucky, right? I was in the right place at the right time. And I, I want to take this opportunity too to acknowledge um, the privilege that I've had by simply being a white male in America. You know, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that. You know, if you know anything about me, you know, you know that I believe that recognizing where we have privilege and using that privilege to help others is an obligation that we have. But that said, you know, I wouldn't have been successful had I not also done the hard work if I hadn't approached my life and work as an endless stream of learning opportunities. And I still do. Really, I think more than skills, there are core traits that help determine success. And these are humility, persistence, and curiosity. I, I believe in this so strongly, it's advice to, I give to all of uh, those that I mentor. And I strongly believe that you're never done learning uh, as long as you open yourself up to it. Really look for, you know, candidates who have a great deal of self-awareness. Uh, do you know where your strengths are? You know, you have challenges or areas to improve. That's all goodness, you know. If you're aware of those things and you have curiosity and humility and persistence, you're going to be able to uh, have a growth mindset and learn and grow. Because really, again, you know, anybody can learn the skills of design, but more important than anything else in our industry, because things move so quickly, the future is uh, more and more ambiguous every day. You have to be nimble and you have to be uh, a problem solver. And that really means that you have to be flexible and you have to look at every opportunity as a learning opportunity. Thank you so much, Jason. So let's begin our discussion today with building design systems at scale. So basically, what are design systems and what is the need of a design system? I, I think the most tangible way to describe a design system is to say that it's a reusable set of UI uh, controls and you know, accompanying usage, usage guidance. But what I really think it is, is a method of product making that prioritizes the interoperability of both the code and the experience across an ecosystem. The net result is the ability to scale, you know, increased efficiency, cost savings, and decision-making confidence across an organization. More, Even more importantly for the customer, it means increased productivity, trust, and satisfaction. When you think about it, in this way, you know, as a design driven solution for some of the most urgent problems that businesses face today, you know, the surface area and opportunity for impact with design systems is actually quite expansive. Thank you so much, Jason. So what is the process or strategy of building design systems at scale? And once it's built, how do you learn from it and evolve the system? You know, fundamentally, one misconception that people have of the design system is that it's a service where in fact, it's a product. So like any other product, it's funded with a dedicated team. It's tasked with clear objectives and it has a prioritized backlog. And like any other product, it starts with understanding the customer. For a design system, product makers are the first line customer, but so are the pro those products and users. So knowing what each of these customers articulated and unarticulated needs are is fundamental to building a useful and usable uh, system. So once you know your customers, 
you know, my rec- the way that I approach it is to really start small, you know, find a single thing that can have a great deal of impact and find teams willing to try it out and prototype it with you. Make it simple and super easy to use so that they can experience the value of using a system themselves. Use these small wins to tell a story and build on these successes and grow the system as you are able to gain these wins and have successes. Always be measuring the impact. Uh, Saving time and money is difficult for any organization to argue against. Ultimately, a, a system can't scale if it's being built by a single team though. Design systems should be open source and be structured uh, to encourage contributions from all of its users. The design system team, therefore, begins to function as a more of a custodian of the system uh, with the charter of ensuring co- coherency of what goes into the system, the usability of what goes into the system, the resiliency of the system, and accessibility of the product. Our team, for instance, splits our time between designing and building UX patterns and overseeing the many contributions that we get from our partners. Thank you so much, Jason. So how do we ensure that we are making a human-centered system, like designed for people, not just for the systems? Something that bring all the various themes come together on a common usability purpose across different products and each having their own look and feel. Yeah, right. Well, so, you know, first of all, again, it starts with the customer and the customer's needs. You know, does a customer use multiple products within an ecosystem, uh, have different experiences with an ecosystem of products or experiences, right? And, you know, the value of using a design system in that, in those scenarios is really to make or to empower a user to take their knowledge of one product, take it to another experience and accelerate their productivity and accelerate their confidence that, they're going to be able to do things in the way that they are comfortable and used to doing it. Um, And again, like I said before, that really creates trust and satisfaction in the users. So, you know, where you might have, you know, a product like, you know, Word and Excel and PowerPoint, who products that have very different functions and very different scenarios, they are very clearly part of an ecosystem. So determining what is the connective tissue, what is really important from the customer standpoint for consistency across those experiences is essential. For instance, you know, within Office, you know, there are vastly different different experiences in those products, but there are core similarities, right? So you have the control ribbon, which is in a consistent location. The, the buttons that, you know, capabilities there that are within that control surface might be different depending on the context, but where you access those controls, how you access them is consistent across all of them. Same thing with sharing, for instance. You share using the same button and the same method in all of those products, right? So rather than doing things precisely the same. It's really, or having, or requiring all products to be completely consistent. That's not really the goal. The goal is to identify where is the value for consistency for the customer. And that extends to things like branding as well. You know, I think for us, we measure our work in various ways. And measuring is, you know, getting back to like, how do we know we're doing the right thing? You know, we measure things both quantitative and qualitatively. We're constantly getting a stream of data that we are able to react to. Um, we have telemetry, 
so that we understand the usage of our products. We conduct regular polls of our customers that give us feel of the pulse of our customers' needs. Uh, we track requests and bugs like any other product. And we also host a vibrant community of users. We have several hundred users of, of our design system who are constantly providing feedback, asking questions. And that's a great way for us to know where should we, where are the problems for us to solve. Everything we ship is also rigor, rigorously tested with real users. We're not, you know, testing, say, a button or a drop-down, you know, component in a vacuum. We're actually putting those into products and doing user testing there so that we get very actionable, uh, valuable data. Ultimately, the value of a design system is by making the product experience and the experience of making products easier and better. And you can't achieve this without a service mindset and constantly responding to your customers' needs. Thank you, Jason. So any advice to designers on how they can bring the culture of design system in their existing organizations? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're at a point in the maturity of the UX discipline and with design systems where it's really table stakes. Like three, four years ago, design systems was kind of becoming a, a buzz term, right? You know, some organizations were really sort of seeing the value and leaning into it. And there was kind of a, a big kind of swell and movement about, hey, there's there's something here that actually solves some business challenges, right? And uh, this, there's a lot of value in that. We're at a point where, you know, the, the value is clear and there is a lot of information out there. There, uh, there are a lot of, you know, actionable use cases that people can use as information to start having conversations with people in their organizations, right? So arm yourself with that information about the value and then find, you know, just one person who's willing to, you know, sponsor a small experiment. You know, you can make it, you know, uh, a hack project on the side. You know, it doesn't have to be big. And in fact, it shouldn't be big. Again, just think about, you know, what's a small thing that you might be able to provide that has a great deal of impact? Where can you save people time and money and energy? You know, so build that, get it out there, get feedback, make it super easy to adopt and, you know, gather that data. If you have people who can tell the story for you about the value that they've experienced by using what you are, you're providing, there's nothing more powerful than that. Collect the data, show everything with data, right? If you spent, you know, 70 hours you know, building a component, say, and you have, you know, three teams who have adopted that component, then, you know, that's uh, 210 hours, right, that you've saved other teams, right? And that's a one-time savings. There's a longitudinal savings there as well, which is, you know, look, you're going to maintain it. They aren't. You're, the bugs are going to hit you. It's not them. Uh, design systems are table stakes. And it's really, you know, the business value is clear. It's really getting people to shift their, their mindset, you know, as much as it is a switch in products and how you make products, there's a shift in product making culture that comes along with it. That is super important. And I, I think, you know, for anybody who's interested in introducing a design system to their org, it is an exciting opportunity for you to lead that kind of cultural change. It's transformational and I have seen it firsthand. So basically there's a saying that design systems are something sometimes people are tend to misuse it. A design system may begin, developers are, are saying, you know, hey, we can do this ourselves and designers are, 
you know, put it maybe adding things to a system that are not completely validated. So it sort of undermines the the resiliency of the system. Is that it? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think that, you know, first of all, there has to be a design system team that's funded, right? And their accountability is to be a connector, right? It's difficult, right? You know, a lot of what we do is outreach to teams and supporting and communicating with teams. Having a communication strategy and a back and forth with teams is crucial. Let's see. So I think as part of that, you know, again, a design system has to be open source. It has to invite in contributions, right? You know, so you can't create too high of a bar for that. Otherwise, people are just going to go off and do their own things because it'll be easier, right? We actually set the bar uh, a little bit lower so there's less friction there. But we do the validation on our side. You know, we're not expecting, you know, a designer or a developer to have to do all of the due diligence that and the really rigorous due diligence that we do before we put something fully into a system. We what we do is welcome those contributions and they go into our backlog and then we um, we guide people wherever we can. We have office hours, so you know again it's a way for us to scale. We don't want to block anybody, but we want to help guide people you know to good solutions and we want people to to understand that they can you know they can count on us for good guidance and that we do want those contributions. Again, it's part of creating that you know that open culture, you know, so that people feel comfortable having that that dialogue back and forth. So you know, if you if you're building a culture where there's good dialogue back and forth, those contributions will come to you. You put them in the backlog. You triage them based on you know your whatever criteria you develop, and you move forward from there. Additionally, you have to really celebrate those contributions, right? Make people feel really good for helping to support the system. And really, like, what better feeling is there than you're helping everybody else? you know, do great work when you contribute to this thing. We put people's names on it. We send out email updates and call out, you know, the people that are contributing and the great work that they do. You know, you know, we look at even like giving people like uh, $10 gift certificates or something. You got, you got to have those little tricks. Think about, you know, who we are as a team. Again, you know, our charter is really about custodians of the system. We're not managers. This is not top down. We are partners with everyone who is using the system. And it's really having that that partnership mindset that makes a lot of progress. Thank you so much, Jason, for such wonderful insight. So we'll conclude this show by you recommending us three favorite books of yours and also three people who inspire you the most in the space. Yeah, yeah, you bet. So this was a really hard question for me to, to think about because I am a voracious reader. <laughs> but I, I did I was able to pick out three books that, you know, they're they're books that I consistently recommend to other people and that have resonated with me and that I felt influ- have been very influential to how I think. I also like one thing I wanted to do was not recommend any design books because I imagine that a lot of your guests probably do. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to start with um, a book called Why We Make Things and Why It Matters by Peter Korn. It's a, a, Peter Korn is a master woodworker and the book is really him reflecting on his lifelong journey to craftsmanship and really what it what it means to do things well 
And it's just so beautifully and lyrically written. It's it's a very short read, but it's super insightful. And one thing that it, it's really like kind of a, a, has allowed me to kind of open up my own reflection and really think more deeply about what is the meaning of the work that I'm doing, right? And what are the things that I really care about? And where is the craft in what I do? I, it, it's, it's beautiful. I recommend it to everybody. The next book is Daring Leadership by Brene Brown. Uh, if you know me, I am a huge fan of Brene Brown and uh, Daring Leadership, which is, I believe it's her most recent book, is my favorite. Um, it's, a, it's really a distillation of research and writings to date. Uh, and I find it such uh, an amazing resource for practical ac and actionable insights and methods for having the really tough conversations that we all need to have in order to have a, a, a healthy uh, culture and for us to really like work collaboratively as humans together. You know, I, I use uh, her methods constantly. And, you know, I think one thing that we don't, talk about enough in the industry is, you know, the place of emotion, right? We talk about empathy, empathy, and, you know, what is the emotional journey of our customers? But really, you know, I think we, we need to think much more deeply about what is the emotional component of both what the products that we're sending out into the world? How are, how does it really make our customers feel? And is that matching, you know, what their expectations for their emotion are in the usage of the product, but also how we relate to one another. You know, emotions are unstoppable. We don't control them, but we can control how we react to them and how we use that energy to actually enhance how we work together. And I think Brene Brown is, is a brilliant, uh, it says it much better than I can. <laughs> and then the third book is um, probably the, the book that has changed my worldview uh, more than any other. Uh, it's called uh, The User Illusion by Tor Noratranders. And it's, it's a far-ranging and, and deep book about the nature, nature of consciousness. And, you know, I won't get into it, but uh, basically, you know, uh, what we think of as consciousness is extremely... Or what we are coming to understand uh, as consciousness is very, very different than what it actually is. And what we, our perceptions are very different from reality. It, it's, it's an amazing and eye-opening book. Those are three of my favorites. And as for, you know, people that inspire me, mostly I just really look to the, the people around me, you know, my family and coworkers, um, you know, like my kids. I watch my kids grow and I observe how they innovate and, and learn and grow every day. Uh, and I'm constantly amazed by their resilience. I really feel like, you know, inspiration is everywhere. You just know how to, how to look for it and how to see it and how to recognize it. Thank you so much, Jason. We are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes. Thanks for your wonderful time. Yeah, thank you, Ravi. It's, this has been an amazing uh, uh, a chat. Thank you so much for having me.